The BYU basketball comeback attempt comes up just short for the Cougars in blue in the final minutes against fourth-ranked Houston. We'll discuss where it went wrong and how are we feeling after this BYU loss. Plus, we've learned the date for BYU football's road game at SMU. How do you feel about the Cougars and Mustangs playing under the Friday night lights? I do love that. Blaine Fowler is going to join us. We'll talk about the SMU game and also much more on last night's battle with Houston, plus the queen of rebounding. Lauren Gustin will tell us what it meant to break the school record and a look ahead at the big schedule awaiting BYU women in the Big 12 starting Saturday. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Wednesday, January 24th. I am Spencer Linton. He is a man who I know enjoyed just about everything about last night's Marriott Center experience, Dave McCann. You know, I happen to be on the pre and post game show with the Haas boys. I wish everyone could do that. It was me, Blaine, TJ, and Tyler. Yeah, really cool setup. Two guys with a bazillion points together, and they're back and forth from the Marriott Center. And there were moments in that game that were spectacular. Places going bananas. You know, there were moments that weren't great. And, uh, and Houston ends up winning. But as far as the college basketball experience, Incredible. That was pretty good. Incredible. Yeah. BYU showed a lot of guts, obviously, come up just short in the final minutes. But, wow, what a crowd, Dave. And I mentioned it on X last night. I, I, when Noah Waterman hit that three to tie it at 68, it was like a piercing ringing, but it was <laughs> welcome, right? It was yeah. so loud, but it was a welcome sound. And I haven't heard it that loud in the Marriott Center since probably the Gonzaga game in 2020. This is, a, this is a team that's got a lot of fight. They're fun to watch. They're also aggravating and frustrating and all that stuff. But they feel that, too, uh, as, they've, as they've lost four of the six Big 12 games. They've been in all six. They've had chances to win, legitimate chances to win all six Every games. Every game. And so I think that gets the fan on the end of the seat going, why are we not 6-0? and This is <laughs> aggravating. And then reality, too, is 2-4, uh, and four, but competing in all six games Shows you that, one, this league's tough. We all knew that. But BYU is tough in their first year in the Big 12. And now it's just a matter of getting over the hump. Hey, and certainly tough at home, as is BYU men's volleyball. Nice showing yeah. by the fans at the Smith Fieldhouse last night as the Cougars extended their win streak to 18 in men's volleyball as well. All that said, much to discuss. So rise and shout. Let's get to what's trending. Ali Khalifa takes it and makes it. Just Noah. a triple, Noah! Noah! Got it! Got it! <laughs> 75-68, your final. Houston wins it. So close. BYU's comeback attempt falling short. 75-68 against a top five team. Number four, to be exact. Losing by seven to Houston. And now the Cougars, as you mentioned, Dave, a moment ago, two and four in Big 12 play, but have been in every game. Maybe it feels like with the law of averages, BYU should be 3-3, three and three, so maybe a game behind schedule, but the point remains right there in every single contest. Let's focus on Houston specifically. That's top of mind. How would you sum up how you're feeling about this BYU basketball team after last night's shortcoming against Houston? Houston's one of the best teams in the league, uh, number four in the country. They're final four good, Dave. Yeah, so they're, they're a measuring stick for BYU. Uh, a couple of minutes at the end of the first half, BYU couldn't score, Houston did. A couple of minutes at the end of the game, BYU couldn't score, and Houston did. So that's the difference. It's 68 all, and then Houston finishes on a 7-0 run. They build a seven-point halftime lead going on a mini run. So BYU right there toe-to-toe -to -toe throughout, except for the closing moments. 
Uh, young teams, this isn't a young team per se, but young teams learn how to close. And I would also say teams in a new conference, although Houston's in a new conference, but they've been elite for some time. But teams in a new conference got to learn how to close. And when BYU does, then, you know, that's the difference between being four and two and two and four, uh, holding it together at Baylor, uh, holding a big lead at Texas Tech. Sure. Or, you know, 68-68, you got the ball. The one at Texas Tech stings the most because, again, I, I kind of feel like BYU's good enough to be 3-3 three and three in league right now yeah. in, instead of 2-4. and four. And that wouldn't be a crazy notion. No, and having, again, lost back-to-back -back games in Big 12 play, and now some pressure really mounts as BYU has to turn the page to Saturday against Texas. We'll get there eventually and turn the page to the Longhorns who beat up on Oklahoma last night. But I said to Mark Pulp after my interview with him last night, and I don't know how much he cared to hear what I thought after that <laughs> game sure last night, after that hear. interview, but he was kind and, and we talked about it. But I was encouraged by a lot of things, Dave. First and foremost, the fact that BYU got down by 13 points in the second half and managed to erase that deficit yep. against that caliber of team in Houston. We were all questioning BYU's ability to turn it on in the second half. They did. They got it to 68, and then BYU had multiple opportunities to deliver that climb-the-mountain blow, right, where you come all the way back. There's just something mentally to taking a lead after you've been down by that many points. No matter how wide open exactly. you are. Exactly. It just, it just didn't go. And I know Trevin Nell is just killing himself yeah. right now. And I feel bad for him because he's an elite shooter, and he's been so good, and he hit some big shots to even put BYU in position to be in that game. But – Man, they needed that three to go down. If BYU takes a 71-69 lead in that moment, I think we're having an entirely different conversation here. And we're talking about, oh, my gosh, BYU just beat number four at Houston. They are three and three and feeling good with Texas coming to town. It's, it's that fickle. It's that close. And they know? were that close with guys who didn't play very well. Dallin Hall didn't shoot very well. Jackson Robinson didn't shoot very well. Shot a lot. They shot a lot of threes, didn't hit very many, under 30% in their building. That's not typically yeah. them. BYU didn't need to be perfect to beat no. Houston, clearly. So, with all the imperfections, including uh, Fusini Traore coming into the game way too late. Even Mark Pope acknowledged that it took him a while to get to Fus. Fus was kind of a game changer down the stretch in the last seven minutes because all of a sudden BYU had an inside presence, and it was almost like Houston was like, uh, yeah, we weren't planning on the inside presence. Sure. And then all of a sudden an inside-out game came, and Fus delivered some big baskets down the stretch. I would love to have seen him a little earlier, but on those big nights, uh, Spencer Johnson had four points. Uh, again, Nell was quiet. Hall was quiet. Foul trouble. Dog Nell and Hall. And, and despite all that, they have an open shot to take the lead with Two. 46 seconds. Two. Two open shots. Two, yeah. Foose misses that little floater. When it's tied, Houston makes a free throw, and then Trevin Nell has the open three yeah. down the barrel, which he makes eight out of ten times. Right, right. And so all of that considered – and, the, and, the, and, and you had a chance to beat Houston yeah. here, you're not that far off. You're not that far off from contending in this sure, league. Sure, And that's what I think fans took optimistic, you know, optimistically home last night after the game or watching it. It's like, hey, we're, we're not getting mopped up in this league. Yeah. You know, Iowa State didn't come in here and do to BYU what their football team did to BYU. Uh, BYU pounded them. I mean, there's chances when they, when they play two halves and finish games – they can take the number two defensive Certainly. team in the country and put 87 points on. I know a lot of fans are frustrated about some calls that didn't necessarily go BYU's way late in the game, 
but I'm not ready to put this game and the result of this game on a couple of controversial or questionable calls late. Uh, typically, to beat a team that is as good as Houston, you need one or two of those to go your way. But regardless to the, the conversation we're having right now, BYU still had multiple opportunities to climb that mountain, to take the lead, and really put the pressure on Houston. And they did so not shooting the three ball necessarily great. It was hovering right around 30%. Yeah. They made 11. I said yesterday, it's the rule of 12s for this BYU team when you, when you take on a team like Houston. Make 12 or more threes, have 12 or fewer turnovers. BYU had 13 turnovers. They made 11 threes. They, they had two shots at that 12th. They needed just, to get to 12. It just didn't go. <laughs> but they also, when Downhall specifically was off the floor, really started to look pressed in hunting just any deep three. Like, BYU took some bad shots. Yeah, Jackson Robinson sure. went back-to-back -back on – on long-range shots that weren't close, that were, you know, Robinson's got the green light. We've seen him put on a show. Uh, that was a tough time to yeah. take those two shots. And, and Mark Pope talked about it uh, in your interview after the game. And, and that, that they can work out. But, but they were early in the shot clock, and they were way out there. And you could tell the fans. Were, that's when I, you could feel some frustration sure. of, guys, we want to shoot the three. We get that. That's who we be. That's who be. be Good threes. There are there are there are good threes and there are better threes. Got to shoot for the better threes, but at least take a good three. Yeah, avoid avoid the rushed deep three shot. And, and Mark Pope addressed that specifically, as you mentioned. In fact, let's hear from Coach Pope during my post game interview. I, I like the number. Um, we have some. You know, we're pushing the envelope so hard that we have some that uh, even I shake my head sometimes. Um, and that's a very nuanced conversation with a team that's trying to be really aggressive. Um, and so that's a place where we could probably, um, you know, we probably have seven or eight possessions out there where we can, we can save it and, 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 and maybe um, stress the defense a little bit more. Um, but sometimes when you have that conversation in too much detail, especially with a bunch of kids that are trying so hard to do what we ask, sometimes you swing too far the other way, and we're definitely not willing to do that. So those will be nuanced conversations that we have as we go through the season. He mentioned seven or eight specific possessions where you could move it some more. You could make the defense work a little harder and try and get a better three-point shot. And these are all lessons to be learned by this BYU team. Coach Pope has talked about for the last year and a half, man, it has been just a really, at times, frustrating learning experience and, and growth and, and those, those hard growing pains are certainly there. BYU is still doing that now that they are in the Big 12 Conference. It hurts, it's, it stinks. You know? It's great when they go in. They're good enough to be three and three in this league. They're, they've been in every game and through six. But two and, so two and four certainly feels frustrating, yeah. but I'm encouraged. We're talking about feelings. I'm encouraged that BYU has looked like they are ready to compete and play basketball at a high level each and every night. It's about finding enough and the ability to close and, and put together as close to a complete game as they can. Some do a, pretty much a complete game against Iowa State. Right. Some figure out a way to close on the road against UCF, which is turning into a better and better win. There's more out there, Dave. So I'm, I'm, I'm still feeling encouraged. Yeah, yeah, and, and there's good shooters, and those shooters have to make those shots. If you're going to live by the three, the way to stay alive is you're hitting those shots, and you've got to hit more than you're hitting. 100%. Our question of the day, how would you sum up your feelings? Tell us how you really feel 
about BYU's loss to number four Houston last night, 75-68. Eric Wood on Facebook answers, BYU is competitive and have been every game. They just need to learn to close games, not four shots in crunch time and cut back on the costly turnovers. The turnover mark was pretty close to where it needed to be. 13, yeah. and Mark Pope said it in the post-game interview as well. He's fine with 13. Frankly, 13 against Houston is a good number. It's, again, like finding the correct open shot. BYU can move the ball super well. They can find them. But when you're down, you just naturally, you just like, you want to get that deficit down immediately. Just grab a couple more rebounds. Sure. Just, especially sure. on the defensive side where Houston was able to cash in on second chance points at critical moments, especially down the stretch. David J. Crowley on Facebook played a solid second half, which is a vast improvement. Certainly. But need to start closing some of these conference matchups with wins. Need actual victories, not moral ones. If we can compete for 39 minutes, we should be able to compete for 40. Well said. Yes. That's true. Aside from the desperation three that Dallin Hall takes super late in the game, Man, the three looks that BYU got when it was a single possession game, the Foose floater, the wide open Trevin Nell three, and another pretty good look in the corner for three from Richie Saunders. Those are good looks. Those were not four shots. When they're zipping the ball around, somebody ends up open. Got to make a clutch shot. Like they had good looks. They just didn't drop last night. It's a crazy game. It really is. <laughs> it's so, the margin of error is so thin. Hashtag BYUSN on X Facebook and Instagram to join that conversation. Let's do the roundup. Every day is a big day in the Big 12, and there were some interesting games last night, including one that affects Saturday. Apparently, it was the night for road teams to win some big games. All but one team won on the road. Texas, 15-point victory against 11th-ranked Oklahoma in Norman. Max Aismith scored 22 points. Longhorns playing some of their best basketball of the season. They are peaking as they now head to Provo on Saturday, Oklahoma will host a ranked Texas Tech team. UCF beat West Virginia 72 to 59. How are these two teams posting wins over Kansas? It just happens here in the Big 12, but the Knights got the Mountaineers uh, last night. BYU's gonna go to West Virginia a week from Saturday. Tough game in Morgantown. This one was in Orlando. It just, West Virginia's a totally different team at home. Yeah. TCU. Road victors at Oklahoma State. I know the Cowboys are winless. Man, they've been in every game and they've had some big leads. They led by 17 last night. Hey, we've seen TCU. that movie. We know that show, right? <laughs> we know how it ends. Oh, the pain for the Cowboys for sure, who are now 0-6. They have, they could very likely be 2-4 and or 3-3. Three and three. They close out Baylor in overtime. They don't blow a 17-point lead against TCU. They should have at least two wins. Oklahoma State's still a good basketball team. TCU at Baylor on Saturday in a showdown of rivals. Oklahoma State will host West Virginia. Maybe the Cowboys being able to host a West Virginia team that's not great on the road can get their first win. Tonight, Kansas State, who's quietly moved up to the top of the standings, are at number 23, Iowa State. Wildcats are 4-1. and one. Cyclones are 11-0 at home this season. Yeah. Something's got to give. Iowa State's going to win. They're That'll be so an interesting one tonight. I, I think Iowa State might roll Kansas State tonight, honestly. They're so good at home. Let's look at the updated standings now with BYU falling to 2-4 and four and the rest of those results. Texas Tech and Kansas State 
tied atop with Kansas and Houston, a half game back at four and two. And then just look at the log jam in the middle of the conference from number five all the way down to number 13. I look at uh, Texas Tech, I look at Houston, and I look at Baylor. BYU had a chance <laughs> to win all three of those games. Oh, BYU, it just feels like they should be three and three. It does. Yeah, it does. They're not. Two and four is the reality. All right, shall we talk a little football in January? You know, just out of the middle of nowhere, the ACC announces their schedule yeah. yesterday. And on that schedule is an interesting game. You know, SMU's in the ACC now. So that involves BYU. And so they announced that on Friday night, September 6th, mm -hmm. the Mustangs are going to host the Cougars. How do you feel about that? What's better than Friday Night Lights in Dallas, Texas? Seriously. Come on! Especially that early in the season when attention is so focused on the return of college football. We'll see where they are uh, TV-wise. The details haven't been announced. But if that's an ESPN Love Friday it. Night game, first Friday of September, sign us up. And apparently we've signed up. I don't necessarily like the heat and the humidity of Dallas in early September, but at least it's a night game. And yeah, the ambiance of, of that contest early in the season is going to be palpable. I'm super excited. I like mixing it up a little bit. As much as I love college football Saturdays, it's glorious. I enjoy the occasional Friday night game, and especially when your favorite team and the team that all of you love, BYU wins on a Friday night, watching college football the Saturday after a Friday night win is super fun because there's zero stress. <laughs> the game's over. That's right. And you just sit back and enjoy what else is going to happen on a wild Saturday. I wonder if BYU will move the August 31st game with Southern Illinois a day up so that there's a full week between that game and SMU. Yeah, I don't right know. Right now it's a Saturday. If you it move could, it to it Friday a or a Thursday, you give yourself extra time. And you know what? I would. I would because SMU finished the season in the top 25. That's not a cupcake. A BYU should get as much time as they possibly can to prepare to go down to Dallas and play SMU. So I'm going to watch that one. And you know what? I say move it up to the middle of August. Give us football as soon as you can. <laughs> that would put camp right after Stadium of Fire. But, but that's how things come so quickly. And I'm, I'm watching that to see if, if uh, BYU will buy themselves an extra day or two of yeah. prep because SMU is going to be tough to beat. In Dallas. Yeah, what is it? It's January 24th today, so doing some quick math on the air. We're, what, seven months away? Uh, roughly 215 days from SMU-BYU, right around the corner. Get a spring ball, the alumni game, the fireworks show, and then all of a sudden we're back. That's how fast things Let's go. Let's go. Uh, we expect the Big 12 schedule next Tuesday, according to The Athletic. We'll see when they release Hopefully that. it actually happens. And then maybe we'll get some details on that one. Uh, BYU, back in action, as mentioned, Saturday early. It's a 2 o'clock Eastern time. That's a high noon start here at the Marriott Center. Texas Longhorns are coming in. Live coverage, 1 o'clock Eastern, as our countdown shows begin on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Restore order. Beat Texas. Get to 3 and 4. Take a breath. Have a week to rest. Yes. Find yourself. Huge game on Saturday. It. Up next. Speaking of basketball, I go one-on-one -on -one with the new queen of rebounding, Lauren Gustin, the star for BYU Women's Basketball, on what it meant to break the record and what it's like handling a Big 12 schedule. This is BYU Sports Nation. Offensive rebound by Gustin. BYU able to get the offensive rebound. Gustin back up and in. And with that rebound, Lauren Gustin is now BYU's all-time leading rebounder 
We are live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play -play alongside the always studious and formidable Dave McCann. Okay. I am merely Spencer Linton. <laughs> Come on. You're just a kid. <laughs> it's true. Yesterday, I had an opportunity to talk with Lauren Gustin. Dave called the game when she broke the rebounding record for BYU. and Now that she's had a weekend to process it, kind of wanted to dive inside her mind to find out how she really feels about it. And being the rebounding leader with BYU taking an uptick in competition in the Big 12. Plus, I asked her what her goals are for the team the rest of the season and beyond. Is basketball in her future after BYU? That's my one-on-one -on -one with the queen of rebounding, Lauren Gustin. Lauren, a belated congratulations once again for breaking a mark that stood for 44 years. You are the new queen of rebounding at BYU. What have the last few days been like for you as that has settled in as your reality? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, you know, it's been awesome. I mean, Saturday was definitely a very memorial fun day. Um, it was it was fun celebrating with my team and my coaches and family. So, um, you know, I, I was very lucky and blessed with such great teammates, you know, around me, cheering me up and um, just embracing me and, you know, felt a lot of love, a lot of support, um, which was awesome, especially from Cougar Nation. Everyone, you know, has been great about it. Um, and we got a win, which was the most important thing for me that day, um, which, you know, I'm super pumped about. But, yeah, no, it's a great feeling. Um, but, you know, we're back to work Monday, back to work. We got, you know, we're at K-State this weekend, big game. So, um, you know, just got to get refocused. And, um, you know, we still got a lot of season left. So got to prepare for that. I need to point out as well, because I had speculated about this on the air, like, do Lauren's rebounds in junior college count for this? They do not. Like mm -hmm. this is a BYU mark mm -hmm. and Tina Gunn hit her marks on 101 games. You did it in 106, but you're playing in the big 12 and she <laughs> was six, five and you're six, one. So there's a, there's a lot there. How, how were, have you been able to do this four inches shorter than the great Tina Gunn Robinson and, and beat that mark? <laughs> well, like you said, Tina, she was a beast. I feel like, you know, obviously she's a legend here, holds so many records. So um, it was just super exciting to be able to, you know, be able to break one of her records. But um, honestly, I feel like, you know, obviously I'm the like, I mean, the boards, but it's definitely a team effort. My, you know, team and coaches put me in a position to be able to, you know, get those playing time, that playing time to be able to get those boards. And, um, you know, they trust me to get those boards and uh, they put a lot of confidence in me, which helps me board. And on top of that too, I think it's just a big mindset thing for me. Um, you know, I made it a goal from a younger age being kind of smaller for my position. Um, I wanted to be able to, uh, you know, put all the effort and energy I could into boarding um, because that's something that, you know, you can control. You're not going to be able to control your shots, but you can control your effort and your energy to go get those boards. So that's something I kind of always go um, into every game with that mindset. There was an idea and an understandable one because BYU is moving into the Big 12 where there is much more physicality. There mm -hmm. are much bigger players night in and night out. It's a very different thing than playing in the West Coast Conference, yet you have maintained this double-double mark, and you still lead the country in rebounds. So what type of additional effort has it taken moving up in conference and in competition to be able to hold that standard? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you said, the Big 12 is a whole different whole different realm. Um, a lot of, you know, stronger, bigger girls and um, a lot of great athletes. So, you know, going to the conference, I knew that it was going to be a challenge to, you know, kind of maintain those numbers. And um, I think I've 
just focus a lot really on, you know, taking one game at a time and just, you know, doing the best that I can do with, um, you know, the opportunities that I have. And um, like I had mentioned before, you know, uh, my coaches, you know, are still giving me those opportunities to play those minutes and to be able to um, get that chance to be able to try to do that on the court. So that's a, that's a huge benefit for sure. But also just, you know, trying to play my game the best that I can. And, you know, that's focusing on being aggressive, getting those boards, you know, doing what, I need to do for the team to help us win and, you know, trying to fulfill my role the best, the best that I can. How do you feel like this BYU basketball team, which has overcome some adversity, mm -hmm. you know, losing a teammate, Nani Falate, who's not with the team anymore. And then Ari goes out with a season ending knee injury. So you're starting a true freshman backcourt. You're that veteran. So with that group that had to go through some growing pains and is still learning some tough lessons, how do you feel like you have improved the most from season's beginning to where you are now as you approach the midway point of Big 12 play? Yeah. Um, yeah, we had, you know, two major losses, um, which, you know, has been tough on the team on and off the court. Uh, but I feel like, I mean, I'm really proud of the girls for, you know, stepping up, especially these freshmen. Um, they got a big load on them, uh, especially from going to, you know, high school now to Big 12 and getting, you know, all all the things thrown at them. I feel like they've been handling it really well. Um, you know, it's it's a tough it's a tough job for them to, you know, have to have to do. But coach did a great, great job at recruiting players and and girls that, you know, can are ready for those moments. I want those moments that want to compete and be able to step into those shoes and fulfill something like that. So um, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm proud of them for doing that. And uh, as a veteran, I feel like uh, I have to do my best at, you know, holding people accountable for things and trying to set a high standard and example for, for everyone else. And, you know, um, Smiler is another veteran as well on the team and she does a great job at, uh, you know, holding that line. And, um, you know, we, we do our best to be able to, go in every day and, you know, try to bring, um, bring us all together, which has been a huge thing this season is just staying together and, uh, you know, working towards our goals. So you mentioned that win over Texas tech, the second win in big 12 play, yeah. the first one's always a big deal. And, and you got that against Cincinnati, but in came Texas tech, they're a good basketball team mm -hmm. and you handle them. You, you hold them to 46 points and you use that Marriott center magic. What does a win like that do for this specific BYU team? Yeah, um, obviously that win was huge. It was much needed, especially, you know, after a rough a rough game we had on Wednesday. So um, coming out and, you know, I was really proud of the team for all coming out really aggressive. And, um, you know, we let Wednesday fuel us, give us energy to um, compete on Saturday. And, um, you know, we stepped up, which after, you know, a loss like that, you can either go to, you know, two different ways. And I feel like we um, we've built ourselves up and so the win was very, very important for us. Um, it definitely felt great, and we needed that um, momentum going into this big game this week. Um, so it was it was definitely a team effort all around, but I think we really showed up and just wanted to fight. And like you said, being in the Marriott Center, we have such a great crowd and such great fans that are there, and um, it's we're lucky to be able to play at home like that. You mentioned the big game this week. Certainly is that against a top-five team in Kansas State on the road, no less. What's the scouting report on the Wildcats and what you're going to face in Manhattan? Yeah, um, like you said, they're a great team, you know, ranked number four right now. Um, they just beat Baylor last night, so um, coming off a big win. But, yeah, they're really, you know, great, well-coached team. Um, they got a lot of different threats um, all around, and, uh, yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna be a lot for, you know, but, um, I'm excited for us to be able to go out and compete and, um, 
yeah, we're, it's not their place, which, you know, they get a big crowd. So I think it's going to be fun to be able to go play in an environment like that and also play, you know, top five team in the nation. So we commend you for all your efforts. Thank it's been you. so fun to watch. And uh, like you said, still a lot more season to play. We look forward to you hitting those goals and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Lauren. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I talked to Crystal Gerlich, the Texas Tech head coach. She had the scout on Lauren Gustin going into the game where she set the record. And, uh, and I asked her about Lauren, and she said, she's undersized. Look at all those rebounds. That shows you how hard she works. In fact, she said, she never stops working. We've got to deal with Gustin. And Lauren had 17 points and 15 <laughs> rebounds. That was going into the game. And that was from the opposing coach. And, and, and I think it's a tremendous compliment to uh, to learn, and now she's got to lead the Cougars into this gauntlet. Oh, man. Beginning with fourth-ranked Kansas State. Kansas State looks national championship good. Yep. They are playing elite-level basketball. That will be quite the challenge in Manhattan. Frankly, uh, we're talking moral victories here. They, if BYU finishes that game within 18 or 20 points, I feel like it's a good performance by BYU. Kansas State is that good right now. Then BYU plays against Kansas. Uh, you, you said it. The, the word is gauntlet. Like if BYU can find a way to string together one or two wins in that next five, yeah, it'd be good. Be great. And Lauren said, "Look, my goals are to finish higher than we were picked, which was 11th. Like that is a major goal for this team. Finish higher than 11th place in conference." Well, it all starts again because every day is anew, but Kansas State on Saturday for BYU. They're on the road, and Jason Shepard's going on the road with them. You can listen to his call at 5 Eastern time Saturday on BYU Radio. Up next, a loaded whip around, including what's the most impressive part of BYU men's volleyball? Four games in five-day stretch. All wins, by the way. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. This is BYU Sports Nation. He is Dave McCann. I am Spencer Linton. I feel like it's the appropriate time to roll out your Wednesday headlines. I'll follow your lead. Okay. It feels right. BYU loses last night to Houston 75-68. to First halftime deficit in Big 12 play. And they were down by 13. The second half rally back, tied the game at 68 on the three from Noah Waterman. Exciting game, place was packed, back and forth. Houston finishes the game on a 7-0 run. They win it, BYU now 14-5 overall, 2-4 in the Big 12. And oh, by the way, that loss cost them nothing in the net. They're at five. It cost them nothing in Ken Palm. They remain at 10 in this crazy world. Texas is in town on Saturday. Just beat Texas and stay ranked. Again, it's better to win on Saturday than it is on Tuesday, Absolutely. apparently, for the national pollsters. Eighth-ranked BYU men's volleyball sweeps number 14 Princeton for a second consecutive night. The Cougars improved to 7-1 on the season. BYU played four matches in five days, going 4-0. Four victories, all over ranked opponents. Cougars led last night by Luke Benson's 13 kills. Up next, BYU will host seventh-ranked UC Irvine on Friday and Saturday in the historic Smith Fieldhouse. This will mark the toughest test to date for the Cougars this season. Fieldhouse will be rocking. Yes. Something to see. ACC announcing dates for certain games for the fall football season, including BYU's road date at SMU. They announce it Friday night, September 6th. 
Cougars added SMU to the schedule to uh, fill the spot where they had Utah, because Utah is now a conference game. We expect that one to be at the end of the season. We'll find out, we believe, when the Big 12 schedule is supposed to be announced next Tuesday. ESPN's Mel Kuyper has BYU football offensive lineman Kingsley Suamataia going to the Green Bay Packers, 25th overall in the first round in his first 2024 NFL mock draft. Kuyper has Suamataia as the eighth best offensive tackle available in this year's draft class. Pukunakua, always in the news, named to the Pro Football Writers Association NFL all-rookie team. He's an all-pro, man. Like, all-rookie's nice. He's an all-pro! Wild what he's done. And congratulations to former BYU quarterback and current Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian, yeah. who will be inducted into the Shrine Bowl Hall of Fame. Well done, Sark. Got to the playoff. Texas had a nice season, and apparently they're going to be loaded again next year. You know what I love about Sark, and we got to talk to him last summer and then leading up to the Texas game, is BYU still very much in his heart. Yep. He loved his time here follows the Cougars, and, and while so doing, leading the, the biggest college football athletic department in the country. <laughs> like, good job. No sir. pressure at Texas, right? Nah, I don't know. <laughs> Those are today's headlines. Now we opine in the whip. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. What was most impressive about BYU men's volleyball's 4-0 stretch playing four games in five days? Uh, well, they won two on the road. I like that a lot. But the ability to come home and then sweep Princeton, who's a good team, on back-to-back -back nights at the end of that stretch, that's the most impressive is that BYU swept matches three and four. They're loaded. They're fun. They're entertaining. They're contenders. Luke Benson's got an S on his chest. <laughs> you can't miss it. And they're all on BYU TV, those home matches, including those this weekend. Texas basketball beats Oklahoma by 15 in Norman last night. Huge road win for the Longhorns. How does this affect your expectations for the showdown between Texas and BYU in the Marriott Center on Saturday? Well, it affects it. It affects it a lot like when Central Florida beat Kansas yep. just ahead of hosting BYU. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, now BYU's got to go in with some fear and trepidation and, and let that motivate them. Uh, after I saw the score last night, them winning in Norman, I thought, and they looked good against Baylor on CBS the other day. Um, you know, they're not anywhere near Houston in all those numbers. But if BYU thinks, oh, good, Texas is coming, we should beat them, Texas will pound them. So the focus has to be the same as if Texas is number four. Go out there, rebound, hit some threes reduce those turnovers. Sure. Um, but yeah, after you win at Oklahoma, the Sooners are number 11. They better have your attention. Yeah, there's some real now concern and a little bit of desperation creeping in for BYU to win this game. They just got to get to three and four to feel like order is restored. Houston head coach Kevin Sampson was nothing but complimentary after BYU's, about BYU's crowd last night after the game. He talked about it here in the post game uh, and he was careful to watch his language. <laughs> Take a listen. But these fans didn't come to see us play. They came to support BYU. Iowa State did not, they could care less about us. They came to support the Cyclones. And so, and that's, and that's the beauty of playing in, uh, for the fans. Now for coaches, it's absolute H-E-L-L. -L. I better not say that here. Um, I feel my mother would be. Hey, look, when Elder Bednar starts the day speaking at the Marriott Center, you don't end the day uh, with curse words at the Marriott Center. Samson's a wise man. Yeah. 
He's one of us, maybe. <laughs> and he's best friends with Dave Rose. They go way back. Um, they had an, I watched him have a nice conversation after the game last night. had great interactions with him. Yeah. And uh, first-class guy with a first-class team. Oh, he's super intense. He's got that team playing at an ultra-high level. By the way, side note, going back to Texas, uh, Ken Palm gives BYU a 77% chance to win that game. 77. 77. Don't tell the team. Let's just talk about it between ourselves. <laughs> 77. Tonight, uh, BYU basketball with Mark Pope is tomorrow, 8.30 Eastern time on the BYU TV app. A coach and a player visit with Greg Rubel. They'll set the stage for the showdown with Texas. That's tomorrow night, 8.30 Eastern time. Dave, I feel like we should bring in one of our close colleagues. Blaine Fowler is going to join us next. And he's going to discuss if BYU and their shot selection took themselves out of the game last night, or does he feel like maybe it was something else? This is BYU Sports Nation. How about Lauren Gustin, too? So good. Fantastic. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B, as promised. Let's bring in the man. Our dual threat analyst, Blaine Fowler, covering both football and basketball. We're focused on basketball right now, Blaine, on the heels of a tough loss to fourth-ranked Houston last night. BYU erases a 13-point deficit. They tie it but end up losing by seven. They play the second half even. So after all of that and with that backdrop, Blaine, how are you feeling about this BYU basketball team given the frustration last night? Yeah, I, there's a lot of good that can be taken fr from that game last night. Um, and Houston was everything that we expect them to be, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, they're, they're the number one team defensively in the country for a reason. They're, they're so physical. They have such great lateral quickness, those quick hands that they have. And we saw um, Ali Khalifa, who, who usually uh, just plays with teams defensively with his ability to pass in and around people, have multiple balls tipped, and, and uh, they just couldn't find those back cuts and those things. So, First off, we've got to give Houston a lot of credit. They're, they're for real. Um, they're the number one net team in the country, uh, and it's because they play such great defense. So the fact that the BYU got down, they they grinded to get back in it. They played a little bit different. They had to adjust. Ollie sat down. Food comes in the game. They play a little bit more inside out through the post. The fact that they got literally three opportunities at the end of the game with shots, and they didn't make any of them, unfortunately, but they got good shots, especially those last two threes. Those are the shots you want to get to either tie the thing up and get into overtime or win the game. I think there's a lot of good that can come from this. So, yeah, I'm not – you know, you're disappointed because it's one they had a chance to win, one they had a chance to steal. But then you got to look on the other side and go, okay, didn't I didn't expect BYU to win that game anyhow. The fact that they were in it when they got down, I got to take some positive from that. One thing we've seen in these Big 12 games is when the stress level rises, BYU seems to get sped up. They got sped up a couple of times last night when Houston went on some nice runs. And there's a difference between shooting threes in the offense and hunting threes. And you talked about that on the post-game show last night. What's the difference? Yeah, I, and I'm okay with them hunting for threes as long as they're hunting for good threes. And I, I think they did a fantastic job of this in the Iowa State game. I, I think – they did the worst job of the season in the Cincinnati game. Last night was somewhere in between where uh, when I say you're hunting for threes, that means we're looking for a three, but we're not going to take a bad three. It, it's 
they're going to be open looks, uh, uh, you know, patience on offense, make the extra pass. Maybe it's two extra passes. Maybe it's a drive to get two feet in the paint and draw the defense and kicking out to the perimeter. Last night, there were a few stretches where they dribbled into some threes that were not only deep, but but deep with a defender in their face. So those contested threes, um, they, they need to, maybe it's just one extra pass or a pass and then a kick and, and an open three. So I don't have a problem with the number of threes. Uh, they, they attempted 38 threes, but they only made 11. That's 28.9%. If they shoot above 35% and shoot 38 threes, I'm completely fine with it. That's not that many more makes. So they just reel it in a little bit in terms of shot selection, and I would be happy. I have no problem with the number of threes, just the quality of some of those threes in that game. And Dave, I think you're exactly right. They, you know, and Houston does this to teams, right? They get you in a hurry because it's so hard to find an open shot. And then sometimes at the end of the game, when you haven't had an open look all game long, because they don't give you one and you finally get one, you're almost surprised that you're wide open and you rush that wide open one a little bit. So yeah, it's not the number, it's the quality. It's not about hunting threes. It's about hunting for good threes and quality threes. Blaine, I've had multiple fans contact me on X and ask, hey, are you still holding your BYU's going to win nine conference games projection? And my response is, they've been in all six games. They've given me no reason to believe they're not capable of winning nine conference games with the schedule, quote-unquote, lightening up. <laughs> Take that, you know, with a grain of salt, but it, it does lighten a little in February and early March. But I still feel like this BYU team is capable of winning Nine conference games. Maybe they're behind schedule by one right now because I feel like they should be three and three, but they're two and four. But if BYU beats Texas and get to three and four at the end of January, how are you feeling about what this team is capable of through the duration of the Big 12? I agree with you. And and I heard you guys talking earlier that this Texas game seems to be a little bit bigger because of the Houston game. And you, you want to hold home court every time you can. But when, when the number four team in the country is coming in, um, it, it would have been an upset for BYU to win at home last night by every measure, right? Um, but it, they're expected to win on Saturday, and you need to win those games you're expected to win. You know, the issue is they were expected to win Cincinnati and they lost. But but guess what? Then they went on the road and got a road game and balanced it off. So to me, they're right on schedule as long as they win Saturday to do exactly what you're saying, and that's go 500 in league. Now, that's not an easy task because all of a sudden Texas, who, you know, wasn't looking so amazing, um, looks great right now in the last couple of games you know they lost some games and kind of they lose to west virginia um and they lose some games and you're thinking oh this, this texas teams even though it's a veteran veteran team um this is a team that's vulnerable this year and then they reel off back-to-back big time wins you know they, they lost to texas tech they lost to central florida at home right they lose on, on, on the road at west virginia who's not been great although they did beat kansas so anything goes in this league uh, but the, the baylor and oklahoma wins especially that oklahoma win on the road is a big win not as unexpected as people think, though. People have to remember, for some reason, Oklahoma has struggled with Texas, even on their home court. That's five in a row yeah. for Texas yeah. and Norman. And so there's something that Texas has that's getting in the heads of Oklahoma when, when Oklahoma plays them at home. Five in a row now uh, for, for Oklahoma or, or for Texas at Oklahoma in basketball. Um the Marriott Center is a tough place to play. And BYU is going to come with a little chip on their shoulders. Uh, 
think about this. Dave and I were talking about this last night. I don't know if we talked about it on the air or if we, we just were talking about it, but defensive efficiency, this league's amazing. Houston's number one in the country. Iowa State's number two. Central Florida's number four. BYU's number five going into last night. They played three of the top five teams in the country in terms of defensive efficiency. <laughs> and, and so it's tough to be a team that's built around offense when you're playing those types of teams. Now, Texas is very good. They're solid defensively, but they're 44 in the country. That's not bad. There's 362 teams in the country. So if you're 44, you're still pretty solid, but they're not Houston level defensively. They're not I Iowa State BYU. either. They're not Iowa State either. Right. Iowa State's number two. Think about those two teams how good they are. They're the two best defensive teams in the country, and BYU's had that in their gauntlet the last couple of weeks. And then they've been on the road in some tough venues. So I expect them to shoot a much better percentage against Texas. Um, and and BYU has proven that they're a pretty solid defensive team. Texas is pretty skilled. They're a really good shooting team. They shoot almost 49% from the field, and, and they're 38% from three. So they're a skilled, very veteran team. They start three graduate students, a junior and a sophomore, very, very experienced, but you need a lot of experience to come and play in that Marriott Center. I, I just feel like BYU has a great shot to win this one Saturday. And if they win Saturday, they're right on schedule to be 500 in the league. I agree with you 100%, Spencer. Brian, uh, last question. Let's shift gears and talk about uh, – we're going to stay with the Texas theme, but let's go to football. Uh, it's announced by the ACC that BYU's going to Texas, not Austin, up to Dallas – to play SMU on Friday, September 6th. How do you feel about that Friday night game? Yeah, I, I like I like a Friday night game. I don't have any problem with that. It, does, it means on our travel week, though, you've got one last day of preparation. The hard thing is, you know, you never know because you plan these things so far in advance how good a team's going to be. You'd like to see three games in the preseason where you go, hey, these are just automatic wins. Well, SMU is coming off of an 11-3 and season where they were lights out. As, as an offensive football team, um, they're really good, and they have a good good core coming back. So this isn't just a give-me for BYU. I, I do think, though, based on what BYU did uh, this last recruiting class and in the transfer portal on the defensive side of the ball, BYU takes a major step forward defensively this fall to where they become one of the elite defensive teams in the Big 12. And I, I think that matchup is really fun and exciting because SMU's got this reputation they're going to, throw it all over the place and be wide open offensively. And BYU is going to come in there with, with I think, one of the best defenses they've had in the last 10 years. It, it should be really, really fun. Friday Night Lights in Friday. Dallas sounds amazing, does it not? Isn't that Friday Night Lights in Texas yes. is, is what football is all about, right? A hundred percent. Cannot wait for that atmosphere. We told you he's a dual threat analyst covering both basketball and football. Blaine, thanks for the time. We'll talk to you again uh, as the week goes on. Great to talk to you guys. All right, see you, man. On this week's Deep Blue podcast with Jason Shepard, former Cougar linebacker Brian Keel, one of our favorites, talks about finding and connecting with his birth father, who was an NFL running back, and the resilience it took for him to make it to the NFL himself. Listen wherever your podcasts are found. It's a hidden gem, those Deep Blue podcasts. Really, really fun stories in long form. Up next, how would you sum up your feelings after BYU's loss to number four Houston last night? You still buying this Cougar team? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation with our question of the day. How would you sum up your feelings about BYU's loss to number four Houston last night? 
Samuel Hepworth on Facebook answers, an expected loss, but unexpected how close it was, especially with the lead Houston built. Got the biggest 13 for Houston. BYU erased it. He continues, BYU can't expect, or we as fans can't expect BYU to waltz into the greatest basketball conference in the world and win most games their first season. We are absolutely exceeding expectations from before the season began. Houston is no joke, and we took it to them. At times, yes, BYU went toe-to-toe with a team that is Final Four good. So there are some certainly yeah. some encouraging things. Sam's there. a realist. Sam's a realist. For sure. Uh, Nate Brown, 708 on Instagram. Not even mad. It was a great effort. We know what to improve and showed we can stand on our own. That's true. Our Elite Voice of the Day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated comes from the Brentar 14 on X. Big fan of the program. He says, disappointing because BYU had the shot they wanted for the lead at the end of the game. They had multiple shots. Mm. But also still hopeful, taking the long view. Most BYU fans said they would take 2-2 two and two after the UCF win. Texas Tech and Houston were the tougher two games. Play like last night versus Texas, and that's a win. Like if BYU plays as well as they did at times and as tough as they did against Houston, against Texas, this is what he's saying, they will beat Texas. 13 turnovers should put them in a position to win the game. Yes. 11 threes, 13 turnovers, and you play with that much tenacity. That type of effort should beat the crowd Texas will be on back. Saturday. It's early, but the crowd will be back. Oh, man. There'll New- be some excitement there. Yeah. The nation's going to watch. It's on ESPN2, and so everyone's got access to it. Um, an opportunity to show that – Tuesday night's loss was legit against a good team and against Texas, another good team perceived nationally, to beat them straight up. Keeps BYU in the top 25 and and keeps everybody moving forward. Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. How about to John Stanley of BYU Volleyball? Hadn't played much this season, but played a lot the last two matches in sweeps for BYU. Had seven total kills. John, he makes them better whenever he's on the floor. Our thanks to today's guests, Lauren Gustin and Blaine Fowler. Conversation continues 24-7 on X, Instagram, and Facebook. This and all our shows are on demand on BYUSN.com. For Dave, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Hafa Arujo. We'll see you tomorrow on BYU Sports Station. Back here in Studio B, go Kooks!